Welcome to the Wildflower Bee Farm Podcast. I'm Hank Sveck. This podcast is about helping you uh, learn and understand the different trials and tribulations of converting a 50-acre farm back to nature in a honeybee sanctuary and how we struggle to continue to be servant beekeepers. Here's this week's episode. So I'm in a bit of a different studio today, so you might hear a little echo. Um, before I get to today's topic, I wanted to just say that uh, we just launched our swag store t-shirt store, if you will. Came about, I was doing, a, we've been looking to do this for a long time, but I was doing a um, the Splash TV show and Mitch said to me, when he heard me say, honey is money to bees, he said, gosh, I wish I had that on a t-shirt. So, you know what? We did it. I sent we we got designers we we did the t-shirt i've already sent mitch his copies but we also have a website you can go to honeyismoney.ca and check out all the different things you can get to support what we do and to uh, look fashionable from children to unisex all kinds of stuff anyway have a look uh, support what we do and um, yeah it's kind of a fun story so I've been spending a lot more time, a lot of time when I'm not out with the bees or watching the bees, and that's generally an hour or two a day, and then reading. And today I was reading again uh, two articles that have proven that we've solved the problem with Varroa mites. And this is the frustration. When I started in beekeeping, probably you know, officially five years ago, and I looked at everything that was out there, and I got some help, and was told about, you know, how to treat bees, and you have to do this and that, and also, when you look at the provincial government website, and you talk to people, they tell you, well, you have to treat for mites, you have to do this, you have to do that, and then something happens when you, you know, like, my background in education and training, I was a psychologist for 30 years, PhD, so I do spend, I do understand how to read research because I've done it all my life in a different field. And when I bring it over to beekeeping, I am absolutely floored that the solution to the varroa mite and bee dying problem was likely uh, developed some 10 years ago through the theories led by Charles Darwin in, in the... Um, you know, 1959, sorry, 1859, my bad there, 1859. But the recent research clearly proves, okay, let me say that again, the research clearly proves what we have to do to help our bees survive and fight through. And for some reason, not a lot of people are listening. And I don't understand it. Now, when there are two articles, and if you're hopefully you'll, you'll take these down or you'll go back and you know pause this podcast and, and look them up. The first is, and I've talked about this before, the Darwinian black box selection for resistance to settled invasive varroa destructor parasites in honeybees. And you can read the whole thing or just read the abstract. 
But the reason I like that article is, you know, I wish I had found it when we started our project. This article was published in 2019. Uh, we started our project 2018, but it's my fault. I should have I should have found a way to get to this article that came out about a year later. Uh, and then another article that came out in 2022 March, and it's titled "The Diversity Decline in Wild and Managed Honeybee Populations Urges for an Integrated Conservation Approach." So what I'm going to do in this podcast, I'm not going to get into the weeds and get into all the article stuff, because if you want, you can go have a look at those articles. But here's what the articles have proven to be true. In various parts of the world, for some 10 years, and it's called the DBBB technique, Darwinian Black Bee Box technique, Bees who are allowed to adapt to varroa mites and, and learn to take them on and survive within three to five years do that. They not only thrive, they survive, and they are absolutely beyond any concern for varroa mites. And I talked about this in a previous podcast about Cuba. That's exactly what happened in Cuba. So, you know, there's no sense in arguing it. It's clear. It's true. The varroa mite problem has been solved by the bees. It won't be solved by some stupid grant at the University of Guelph they just announced for $25 million to build a research facility to help figure out how to help bees with varroa mites. Well, we don't have to help them get that. We don't. We have to let them do their thing. Because you know what happens when we do? They solve the problem and they thrive. Now, it's a tough go. We're only in our uh, third year of our project, second year with the bees after we lost them in the first year. Uh, And, you know, we're going to have a tough winter. I know we're probably going to go from, who knows, 45 highs maybe to 10, maybe 5. I don't know. But what I am really encouraged by is the science that tells us if we allow and we let this happen, the bees will solve this problem for themselves. And the two articles I I, I talk about, uh, the first published in 2019, outlines how you can do this as a beekeeper or as a small organization. What's necessary to happen? And the article uh, in 2022 talks about why it's important, but also strategies if you're around other beekeepers and how you need to all cooperate or at least be able to understand why this strategy is necessary. Now, when you think of a very simple thing that we've talked about over and over, that in many parts of North America and the world, there are feral bee populations. There, there are bees that aren't touched by man who have survived and are thriving despite varroa mites. And so the simple question would be, how is that possible? How is that possible? And these articles go on to explain that, what happens, and what we can do. So that, that's done. We're done with that. But the second part, which is really getting me going, is 
This is the science, but why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we practicing this? Why aren't we listening to what's being done? And, and you know, I was just talking to Mary about it. If if you go to a body of water and all around it you see dead animals, dead animals, then you go around another body of water and you don't see any. Would you wonder what's going on around the body where there isn't any death and around the other where there is? Would you would you start to say, well, maybe we should look at what's happening where it's working and what's in the water. And maybe that's a bad example. But what I'm trying to say is when we know there's a solution, when we know the problem has been solved, why do we continue to waste money to not look outside our own box, not not be willing to look at what the world says. And, you know, I looked at this and I said, okay, if I was on the other side of the fence, how would I challenge myself? What would I say about this? How could I discredit this research I just brought? And I couldn't find anything. I mean, I, I couldn't find it. Like, there was no... These people have no vested interest in publishing this literature. They're not making any money. They're not selling a product or service. They're simply saying, guess what? If you put bees in a certain situation and leave them alone, and here are a few things you can do to help the process, but get out of the way, let it happen, eventually, within three to five years, they suggest four to five, four to five years, um, you'll have a local strain of bees that will be resistant to not only varroa mites, but other diseases. And it's been proven in the science throughout the world in all kinds of climates in cold, wet climates, in harshly cold climates, in warm, tropical, and so on. Back to my issue. don't know why, but what I'm saying to you now is I don't know if the term natural beekeeper is appropriate. I think the term should just go back to being what it was, where we are more of a, I, I really think servant beekeeping is the answer where we do what's best for the bees. Now, certainly habitat is part of this. I mean, the bees have to have a place to live where they can be healthy. That, that's part of it. You know, you can't stick them on a rooftop of a hotel in Toronto and expect them to survive, I don't think, without a lot of human intervention that eventually will kill them. So we are killing our bees. The question is, are we willing to listen to the science, the applied research, which means it's research done on natural occurring phenomena. It's not done in a lab. It's not done in a in in a place where, you know, it's it's so out of touch with reality. It's done by looking at what's happening in the real world. And guess what? There's a solution. So the varroa mite problem has been solved. Let's sit up and listen, please. Again, I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. You have an amazing week. To learn more about how honeybees can help you in your investing and personal life, go to investlikeahoneybee.com. There you'll learn how listening to the honeybees helped us in so many ways and can help you. Investlikeahoneybee.com.